Oh, this is so nice. Yeah, it's pretty nice, eh? How much did you buy this? I bought it used from a friend, Winnie. Shout out, eat with Toronto. Good friend. Met her at my startup job at the earlier in the summer. That didn't end up working out. <laughs> and uh, she had to use one from her time, so I bought it off her for... For like 80 bucks so really that's good yeah shout out to winnie for uh funding this whole podcast so far <laughs> thanks winnie Welcome to the Imperfect Podcast, where we discuss masculinity more intentionally and purposefully. On this episode, Jovo and I go deeper into our, our relationship, uh, how we were roommates together, his coming out story, his relationship with his parents, um, the kind of religion and experiences behind that, growing up at an all-boys school, how, how did being gay um, or struggling with his sexuality um, affect his relationships with his friends growing up and then um, also just our our relationship the the ups and downs the rockiness of it and then lastly uh, where he is now and, and how he he imagines his career um, and how he thought he'd be in a different place than he is now it's a lot of vulnerability um, on this episode and I really hope that you tune in listen to what he has to say and uh, be open-minded to it because we can all agree to disagree agreeably excited for you to be here and uh why don't you just give a little bit of a rundown about who you are what you do how we met awesome how much you love me uh, uh i don't know about i don't get it um yeah so my name is jofo we've met in first year university um at wilford university uh doing communications and computer science oh yeah oh my gosh fun times um <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I've known Luke ever since then. It's been about five years, half yeah. a decade. And we've gone through so much. I think we've, like, basically had a relationship. Like, a, ups, a lot of ups and downs, but um, a lot of ups. And that's why we're here today. I'm we're happy. on an up right now. We're so, going to really good up. And yeah, let's stay there. Really right? So let's we'll, stay, we'll stay there. Um, but, yeah, like, Jofo was... Or were you done? Oh, no. Okay, well, I'll just talk about <laughs> a little bit more about me. Uh, so I am a UX designer, um, an illustrator, design, uh, strategist, or whatever. I really love doing stuff in innovation. So I've worked at Innovation Labs, and um, I've worked at CIBC, RBC, just some um, companies I worked at. But my favorite part of me was to travel for four months in Asia. Um, so I got to travel. I just, like, I'm done with everything, done with school, done with, like, work, done with whatever, and just packed up and did three months of backpacking in Asia, and it was beautiful. Well, glam packing, but, you know. Glam packing? Yeah, glam packing. Because <laughs> still got the hotels in there. Sometimes. Yeah, you spent, I swear, like, two months with your aunt or something. I mean, like, yeah, some bougie aunt, but it's fine. <laughs> some bougie aunt in the Philippines? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's fine. It's, it's glamping. Or, wait, what do you call it? Glamping, like glam. Like glacking? Glam. But it should be, like... Glacking. Glacking. Oh, glamping. Because... Okay, okay. Because camping. Okay. Glacking. 
That doesn't sound nice. No. Anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited to uh, have you here. Um, we have been through a lot of ups and downs as we've we've talked about. I, we plan to talk about that during this podcast. Um, but I guess kind of the history of, of us is that we lived in residence together first year. And um, there was a lot of things that kind of happened on that floor that we went through, I guess, that we weren't really fans of. Um, and I think we relied each other on each other a lot to get through that year at some points. Um, and I guess fun fact is that you were the first out gay person I met. And so uh, I'm excited, was... like, yeah, excited to explore oh, yeah, that one. Because, yeah, sure. like, I mean, in high school, there were people that were definitely oh, gay, you know, but, like, you know, they uh, weren't out during that time. And so I think experience. it's almost like through our university that, like, that's kind of when the more coming out stories even started coming out exactly, in the first yeah. place. Because um, even on our floor, we ended up having, like, <laughs> four or five people come out in the span of the year. It's been interesting. Yeah, interesting <laughs> enough. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I guess in relation to your coming out story, yeah. like what was that for you? Cause were you out in high school? Were you kind of yeah, still exploring I, I think it was more of an in and out thing. Um, I think in the journey of coming out, you're not fully out just like that suddenly. I think it's a journey to getting there. Um, in high school, it's more of a finding out story for me. My mom found out through a text. She accidentally quote unquote, um, read through my uh, text message to my friend and uh, my dad found out and like you know the pray the gateway happened actually and all that crazy stuff um, and then I had to go back in the closet and then find my way back out um, so I think it was a journey in high school but surprisingly I had the um, I had the the confidence to bring a guy to prom so that was a huge thing i think no one in the history of my school actually because it was a little back check my school is an um is a is, is a catholic school all boys catholic school private predominantly white males who play hockey uh, and there's a lot of hockey players in that so very masculine quote-unquote um conservative masculine perspective that i had to play for the first few years but really pushed that towards the end and really went through that and got got better throughout in university. So yeah. Cool. Okay, so let's go to that first, yeah. I guess. We'll talk about your... Because like, I knew you went to an all-boys uh, yeah. school. Yeah. And I was really interested in talking to you about that yeah. and how that did affect your coming out story, how that affected your masculinity. Because I see you now, and you have a lot of really great friends from high school. Mm-hmm. Um, was it always like that? or I think I was very lucky. Um, what's crazy is that I wasn't bullied. I don't think I was really bullied. I know people talk people talk shit. Sorry, I'm really allowed to swear. Yeah. Uh, people talk shit. Back, and that's a normal thing. And I know people would talk about him as like, oh, he like there's rumors of me being bi or gay or whatever. But I was very happy that I knew who my friends were. I have ex-best friends, of course, but who my friends were, like, I've had friends from grade 9 all the way up to now. Like, right now, I'm planning, we're planning our yearly get-together for Christmas. Like, we have, like, this holiday mm-hmm. party, everybody, everybody brings potluck, we talk about what we're all doing, and like, oh my god, before we can only afford, like, little things, and now we can actually have a wine, and it's, like, you know, it's really fun. Um, but I think I was very lucky that I had friends who didn't... Um, treat me differently mm-hmm. I think they helped me be comfortable with myself and like 
they they I, I don't know like we we're just we we're just bros yeah and I think I that's why I mean my high school experience okay actually yeah. in the long run that's good because I think at least in terms of mo- like the I guess societal consensus is that typically young gay men when they don't know they they're exploring they're not really capable of like making really good male uh, strength relationships um, and I, I think in as I witnessed in my high school is that a lot of the uh, kind of people that weren't out but were very feminine a lot of their friends were predominantly women and so they really struggled with finding like you know accepting um, young high school men I would say like I would probably be in the category of like confused I didn't know what was going on uh, when I was in high school and like you know there's back then there was all like the no homo jokes and all that stuff so I'd imagine you've been through your first Trust me, I've, I've done that yeah. too um, I think I I'm lucky as well in the sense that I was very I was trained to code switch so you do have code switching I think you're familiar but to the listeners being able to um, act out a certain uh, perspective or a certain persona so a code switch would be a masculine quote-unquote conservative masculine um, male so that would be the no homo the bro talking about girls like oh damn like she's cute or whatever i actually back in the day i remember i would my voice is a bit higher pitch but i would speak like this i would like what's mm. up bro like i would use my lower masculine voice and like talk to my bros and like like that but that's that allowed me to kind of like stay accepted quote Mm -hmm. quote unquote and that's also something bad in the long term because you're not fully yourself um i was lucky enough to find myself that i i'm myself on a code switch like when i depends on the group that i'm with i'm not saying i'm i'm not myself with everyone it's just that i i play this fun role that when i'm with my bros i'm a bit bro but i'm still really gay like i'm still Mm -hmm. very feminine i'll still like oh you cute like i'll still have those moments Mm -hmm. but be able to be myself and that took years of like understanding being able to do that Mm -hmm. or when when i'm with my female friends i can be more open talking about um relationship things with boys or like some adventures i've had and like being more feminine in the way that i move my hands or my body or you know so I've been able to code switch, um, I would say, successfully, which allowed me to work with different types of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And, like, I guess I would say um, in the sense of that, like, that code switching thing, I just found it fascinating how almost because you were in an all-male high school, you couldn't become friends with females, which is the typical norm, and that maybe allowed you to actually... Do you think that had an overall effect on your relationship with building relationships, solid relationships with the men in your life because you weren't kind of able to um, access what is societal norm in terms of being gay? Do you think that kind of helped you rather than hindered you? Um, I think, no, I think being in a, in, a, in a place where I was out of my box and I think that was super important for me mm-hmm. um, to struggle uh, and understand that I need to play a certain role because because I was able to now have the skill of code switch. I think it is somewhat of a skill to be like, oh, from mm-hmm. bro to like femme to whatever. Um, and it helped me in my relationships, I think, with 
um, I think my career even. Uh, in a business setting, there is a certain way that you have to be yourself. Like obviously, like quote unquote, kind of fake, but in the sense that you put yourself in a more professional manner, and that I aligned with the the persona I've had growing up in high school. Mm-hmm. While I'm in a social setting, I'm more I would say feminine, more open with my expressions, and finding a middle ground. So having all those worlds and those struggles allow me to find a middle ground of what's me because I could be mm. very professional but very very fun and social at the same time because I know whenever I do an interview they would ask me um, if someone someone if I would ask one of your friends or co-workers um, something about you what would they say and I would straight up tell the hiring manager I'm sassy and that's a bit of me yeah. that's a bit of fun of me but th- but this whole time I'm talking about oh I was talking about KPIs I was talking about my design decisions being used by millions of people like all these things and then I, I very like like very heteronormative kind of like uh, persona and then I come in with like a sassy so it throws them off and kind of surprises them and kind of changes the whole thing so I really think it really helped me in my relationships Mm -hmm. in the long term and do you think that um, that had a positive effect when you adapted to university or did you find university more accepting and you could finally become like a more truer version of yourself I think it um, luckily I think that didn't have to do much with university. Mm-hmm. Uh, at university, I feel like I took a whole new persona where I didn't have to be broy, but I had this like I knew I I was very I could be very feminine, but personally I like being masculine at times, but I don't want to be too broy. Mm-hmm. So this I when I got to university, it was like my way of like oh being open with me being as a gay man but at the same time not not being feminine not being too masculine that middle ground and it allowed me to be myself it really yeah it really Mm -hmm. found helped me be like oh this is like a really cool way that i feel comfortable with reenacting myself i feel like people with as they grow up they still find ways to how are they going to deliver themselves everyone's still going through that i know i i'm not there yet fully Mm -hmm. but i i'm getting there and I know that that's like this middle ground. So in university, I was able to utilize everything that I've learned. Mm-hmm. And and now I feel like I would be both. Like I would be yeah. bro. And I would say no homo as a joke. Like I don't actually mean like, yeah. oh no, I'm very home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Like I um, I found it interesting too because was, it was coming from a world where that wasn't really discussed, the LGBTQ community. Yeah. And then all of a sudden in university, it's almost it's not overwhelming, but it's a lot more, right? And like you, you, you yeah. were um, homeschooled a little bit too, right? Yeah, I remember. Homeschooled yeah. till grade nine. Homeschooled till grade nine, and then high school was your big like, oh, people kind of thing yeah. around. Well, I still played sports. Oh well, yeah, obviously. I played I, very heteronormative masculine uh, hockey. So like, Bargy, bro, that's oh wrong. So don't try that again. <laughs> <laughs> this is where my code switch would not work, but. Yeah, you went to a hockey school too, and you still didn't know bar down. I do not skate. First off, yeah, well, <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> I can imagine that. I think Tyler uh, Sagan came from your from your school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a few folks coming. I would imagine. Them. Yeah, St. Mike's. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that that lovely school. Yeah. Um, anyway, no, I think it's been helpful so far for me in being where I am today. Yeah. Did you find, I guess, our floor, or I guess, it, like Laureate? at all welcoming to the LGBTQ community? I think it was very welcoming. Um, mm-hmm. The thing is, is that I don't find myself, not politically, but the way that, well, the way that I express myself, I don't think 
I define myself by my sexuality. Mm-hmm. The thing with I, what I felt in Lori is that there are individuals who believe that we we have this perspective like oh sexuality is only part of us, but uh, but I feel like it is what they are. I've seen that, and I feel like I sometimes still have a conservative perspective on politics and economy mm-hmm. at times, and I feel like even though I'm an openly LGBTQ individual, I, I, I felt like I cannot have those views in mm. Aunt Laurier. Like, um, I don't want to talk about exactly what my views are, but, um, but I, I realized that I'm very accepted as a, that you're a person, but your views has to also be this mm. part of the quote-unquote probably gay agenda. Wrong. But like, in that realm, right? Mm. So I felt that in Lori because they were very left wing, as you're yeah. very well aware. Very left wing, and that's great at a at a point. But um, I I feel that people are intersectional with their sexuality, with their politics, with their economy, like their thinking, and it's not only aligned with one certain thinking. So yeah. that's something that I okay. was struggling to for sure. I think that's kind of the case in a lot of politics now. Is you know, identity politics is great because it highlights the differences between people. But in my opinion, it's also played a huge role in trying to find too many differences. And then when you play, when you find too many differences, it's hard to be a collective. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of go too far with identity mm-hmm. politics. But I also value the idea that there is LGBT, LGBTQ community. Like, you know, you see you see race um, and you, you know, you recognize each individual, mm-hmm. but also I think you can go too far exactly. with recognizing each individual too much because yeah. um, every, everyone then feels like their needs have to be catered to, mm-hmm. um, which is fair, mm-hmm. but it's not the government's, in my, in my head, it's not the government's role to, to serve we, we, every individual. If you, I don't know if you recall this, but we had this in a communications class. Yeah. We had this game. It was like, let's build a pizza. Um, and there's like 30, 40 people. Everybody write down what they want in the pizza. And it has to be exactly what everyone's, everybody wants in the pizza. Yeah. And if you get something that you don't want in your pizza, then we can't order. Yeah. It has to be exactly what everyone wants and without the compromise. And we, at the end, we couldn't buy the pizza. Yeah. Why? Because everybody has different needs. Everybody has different things. Yeah. And that's what that's, that's something I realized that at the end of the day, we need to feed ourselves. Yeah. We have to find a compromise. And I think that's what I, I value is like, I won't get everything that I want, um, but it's understanding what other people need and finding that compromise yeah. and get that pizza. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I, in terms of going back to your coming out story, um, I know when we talked that, and just through knowing you, that it wasn't always the best of times. Um, being from a Catholic background, being <clears throat> also one of four boys, all named Jose, by the way. Um, <laughs> that's why he goes by Jose by Jofo. Yeah, Jose yeah. too, yeah. Um, so I guess what was it like in terms of, you know, the culture of the Philippines, the Catholic, yeah. and uh, your overall like, family dynamic? Um, I think... I think in that aspect, it was very tough for mm-hmm. me. Um, I love in this family, in my family. You know how weirdly close we are. I think. Yeah. I think my family is really close. It's cute. Um, it's yeah. Like my mom would post every single day, like a little thing, like we'll, we'll, and I would be, I would do a little cute thing with my mom. Like we're weirdly close, but I think it took a lot to get there, and we're still working the the nooks and cranny out. Um, but the thing is, is that. 
growing up is very difficult. Coming from a, I, I, I immigrated into uh, to Canada with my whole family, and I grew up with a dad who was very like, um, gonna have four boys. We have this thing called what we call barako, and barako means like it's, uh, and we talk about that when we're having a basketball team, and and the basketball team, the idea of a basketball team or people from basketball is like very masculine, very like oh, uh, uh, people need to be quote unquote siga. Siga means bully, like in a sense, like very strong. Mm. You can't cry culture, like those kinds of masculine perspectives. And and I want to make I want to make my dad proud. Mm. I think I had to struggle because I didn't want to be myself, so I can make my dad happy. Because my dad struggled so much to get us here. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was uh, he sold cars. My dad had businesses. My dad um, was on the sales floor before. Like my dad had a great career. Career at a young age. My mom worked at the back. But moving to Canada, they, my my mom had to like work, um, work at a retail store at Starbucks. My dad had to go back to school. You know, everything's much better now. But at that point, I realized like, wow, I can't look at my individualism right now because I want to at least make them proud. And that was a struggle for me mm-hmm. with my sexuality because I know we went to church every single Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. We wake up at eight thirty whole family we go to church at 9 30 and then we'll go for food um and we've done that for literally 20 years like mm-hmm. uh, like well like eight like whenever i can actually go but yeah i've been doing for years and years and years and um i have a very big struggle with my religion i have a struggle with sexuality struggle with myself as a person um but i was i was lucky that i started to find the strength Mm-hmm. One, because I started to see my dad and my mom's situation socially, financially got better. And I started allowing myself to be me. And I've been getting support. Biggest thing is my brother. The thing with my brother is that, um, like, my kuya, he's, like, my best friend. Like, we, he's, like, he has allowed me, without him, I think I'd be more scared. Because mm-hmm. I drew strength from knowing that he will have my back in terms of that. And uh, in terms of uh, talking to my parents, because because if I sometimes we get into arguments now with with my parents about like about, about me being you know openly gay and it's still a problem at, at times, my brother will back it up with very logical thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but we struggled through that a lot because in the Catholic religion, um, being gay is a, apparently a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I understand where they're coming from. I've, I've read a lot about it and I, I can see where, where, where it means, but, but it shouldn't define me. And that's what I think what happened to my dad. I don't think they support or can, uh, can imagine the fact that I might be with a guy, but they've done their best to not anymore define me as that mm-hmm. because I think I've showed them that one I finished school like I I I um, had really good jobs in the past I, I would say I'm quote unquote go to the gym or whatever I have really good like social relations I help out at home and stuff like that I think I, I it took me a lot to prove to them that hey I'm not only that and they're starting to do that and you know mm-hmm. what it's crazy because now I, I randomly hear my dad he he loves podcasts he's like a motivational speaker but like he loves listening to podcasts and I would overhear him talking he listening to podcasts about trans individuals or uh, gays in the uh, in 
Catholic gaze and just trying to understand and wrapping himself ahead. And that's allowed me to nurse my relationship with him because I understand, hey, he spent years, 30, 30, 40 years of this thinking and he's doing, and he's in deep with that mm-hmm. Catholic like that. And he's still in deep, but he's unlearning a lot of things for me. Mm-hmm. And But I won't do overnight. And yeah. that's and that's why I'm okay with the pace because I need to be strong with this and understand his perspective and find a middle ground with yeah. him. So that's why I write, I think we have a beautiful relationship. Yeah, like we'll sometimes talk about it. Like my mom is a bit more better to talk about it because I'll be like, "Oh, mom, like I have a boy problem," and I'll tell her, "Hey," uh, and she'll be like, oh, "I don't know what to say," and I'll tell her, um, "Don't don't think of it as a a guy. Think about it as a." girl maybe and just like tell me what you think yeah and that's allowed me to have a middle ground i, I obviously i want to just be like oh my gosh my ex is like this my this or mm-hmm. this no but at least we have a middle ground and be like and be like hey like this person like i'm not putting it's really difficult for her but she's really trying and i really appreciate that so yeah i think the relationship has been better yeah especially. that's good and i don't think you question your parents no no, no. yeah like i think i think that's one thing that um has always confused me too is like how you know your parents don't have to support every decision you make or or understand every decision you make um but that doesn't mean that they don't love you and i think as long as they still and i i know a lot of people that grow up homosexual or gay don't don't have that kind of support from their parents they don't have that love um but I think in a lot of families that there is still that. And even for myself, I would say, you know, I'm, I kind of, I grew up in a Christian home too. So my relationship with even heterosexual, um, uh, heteronormative, heteronormative sex is kind of thrown off too. And like, I'm trying to explore that now and myself is really, it's a taboo, right? Like it's a the- taboo for me. Like I, like I, I've been told my entire life, you know, you only marry, or sorry, you only have sex with one person, the person you marry. And it's like, is that what I want for myself? Is, do I, should I feel shame if I don't follow those rules? I don't want to wait till marriage. Like, I think, I don't think that's a good rule. That's not a rule that I'm looking to apply um, to my life. But should I feel shame about that? Should I not? So even in my own family, which is where I'm, or I'm straight, my parents don't really understand the the heteronormative side of the things either, and so I think it it's interesting how it expands beyond just um, like these beliefs can be ingrained in multiple ways about the shame people have about sex or the shame. And so I, I, in one way, I like the the rise of kind of I don't really like the rise of um, provocativeness, I guess, in in the sexual realm. I I still think everyone should be healthy, and I still yes. think you should. Do what you want to do and not just, you know, play around just because you you think that's what you should do. I think everyone should practice what they believe in. Um, but I, I, man, I just find it so interesting how there's been such a, an, a shift in the homosexual, homosexual world in the last maybe like 10 years. And we still expect our parents to understand right away when they have to go through a learning process too. And I think that's one big thing. I I don't think a lot of those individuals, um, like our parents and stuff, have experience or have people to experience that with. Like, it's it's crazy. I can say so much about, let's say, Asia. I can Mm -hmm. say so much about 
um, uh, Philippines, even though I haven't been there for like five years, but it's so different when I'm there, mm-hmm. when I'm experiencing it with people there or with someone there and understanding what they're going through, their thinking, what they're feeling, they're doing. And, and to be honest, like our, our parents are probably too busy to even get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like immigrant parents, I would say I've seen, they're so busy in trying to still make a life or for us. And that's like, I, th- I think it, it sucks, but they don't haven't had the opportunity to sit down and be like, mm-hmm. hey, let me open my mind. Let me have that. Mm-hmm. And they're just really too busy maybe making money for their children, saving up, um, making sure there's food on the table. Those things are at the top of their mind. And that's why I'm like, hey, it's okay. But I'm, I, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop. I'm still pushing yeah. the boundaries still. So that's why I don't expect them to be there right away where mm-hmm. I am. But I, I, I expect them to at least be open to it because I'm not expecting them to, to be okay 100%. And that's what's been happening recently. Mm-hmm. And I hope a lot more other LGBTQ individuals realize that their parents are going through something. And you know what? Maybe they don't, in, uh, they don't intrinsically hate you. Yeah. They just don't know what to do. My parents, they told me straight up, they just they didn't know how to act with yeah. me they, they have they did not see this coming they did not prepare for this and through their whole life they, they thought of this thing that's gonna happen mm-hmm. but just give them time and prove yourself and um, I know it sucks but you, you, the thing is is that nothing happens overnight you have to go through something that my dad says go through things day in day out mm-hmm. and go through the next day so and I hope that's something people would go into. And I think it's just really hard, even for me, to put myself in the position of being attracted to my own um, sex, or you know, it's, it's even hard for me to understand everything behind transgenderism or transsexuality. And I'm like, I'm still trying to get like, you know, I want to understand it, but I can never truly understand it because you're not them. Because exactly. I'm not them. But I can work to understand and find a middle ground. Yes, yeah. exactly. and I've something I've thought about recently is like if I can't understand you, is that my fault or is that your fault? Like who is at fault for me not being able to understand? I think it's both the uh, willingness to understand from the person listening, but also how is the other person communicating? And I think in both cir- circumstances, it's like one side isn't willing to understand and the other side is doing a really bad job of explaining in, in a lot of circumstances. I think the idea of um, the idea of agreeing you have to agree to disagree agreeably. Yeah. It's like that. It's a, That's actually something sorry you're going to hear my dad I've, I've had thousands of things my dad told me when I was growing up so they're just going to pop up whenever I talk but um, my dad told me that at the end of the day if you don't agree on something if you don't see eye to eye then you have to agree to disagree agreeably you have to be okay with that that's mm-hmm. where really mutual respect comes in and I think that's also why I've been building this awesome relationship with them because I agree that they they disagree with me and they agree that I disagree with them mm-hmm. but we live in the same household and we have love for each other unconditionally despite what that disagreement is mm-hmm. and I hope a lot more people can yeah that. and that's why I kind of get annoyed when people say that's really good first of all I, I get annoyed when people say tolerance isn't enough 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, tolerance is really the first step to acceptance. Mm-hmm. And if, if our parents' generation can learn to tolerate and mm-hmm. our generation learns to accept, mm-hmm. then the next generation can learn to yeah. love. And like that's kind of how it will break down. Tolerance is actually a huge thing for, yeah. for, for folks who don't take the time to understand. Like to tolerate is just like, okay, I am not... Because I feel like it's a spectrum to get to the point where you fully love someone. One spectrum is hate, and one spectrum is love. And tolerant is like I would say about in the middle. And you're you're slowly getting to that love part. Mm-hmm. But you, I, again, nothing happens overnight. So you need to go through the process. Mm-hmm. And I think yes, tolerant might not be enough in the long term. But it, you have to acknowledge the the amount of work put into that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's really good. And I, I really, from what I've seen with you and your parents, it has been a very healing process. I get very jealous. No, but yeah, because I was telling you last night or two nights ago when we had a phone call, I forget, um, that when like I see your family do all these cute outings, I'm like, oh, it just warms my heart. I'm like, I wish my family kind of did a bit more of that. Um, but I guess that covers quite a few things that I, I want to talk to you about in terms of your yeah. like relationship with your parents, your coming out story, dad, yeah. and your dad. Like, um, I guess there's a couple other things that maybe you... Are there any other things that with your your relationship with your parents that you would be interested in sharing or how you like wanted to keep growing or, or like yeah, what you think I, like, the I next think level is? My dad and I have, a, I think, a really interesting relationship. Um, as I said, he's like a motivational speaker. Like everyone in my family would go to him. Like my aunts, my uncles. He's actually the godfather for the um, um, the wedding of my of my cousin and my mom's side because they just everybody just loves him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's such a wise person. Um, but out of everyone, he I've seen him break down. Like I'm, I'm I've had the um, privilege to. him being that vulnerable to me um my dad is like i think an amazing person because it's he's gone through a life of being the 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 kuya the eldest brother he had so much responsibility growing up when my when his dad wasn't there he was the dad to his um siblings they're like five six of them Mm -hmm. um and he's constantly like the strong one that constantly the masculine person like making sure he didn't cry I remember he told me a story his mother cried uh, so his mother passed away my grandmother um, and my my grandfather obviously at the time wasn't really in like wasn't didn't know what to do so he had to step up mm-hmm. and be the one to make sure everything's okay he didn't cry he he literally waited till the whole ceremony and everything was done and he just bawled he, he didn't show any inch of vulnerability because everybody was looking up to him and that takes a lot of strength to obviously we talk about a culture where um, we have to be vulnerable and it's good but when there's a, like tens of people looking uh, that are vulnerable as well looking for a, a person who's strong enough there is a time where you need to step up as a leader to kind of pause that vulnerability you can be vulnerable but you can mm-hmm. you kind of have to choose when um, so it, it, he's been super like this conservative kind of like masculine person, but going into now, like I've seen my dad, like have this huge change of heart. Like before it's a household of what I say is what I say. This is my house and that's it, mm-hmm. you know? 
But now we get into conversations. We literally spent an hour just like debating something. I'm like, oh, or like I call my dad out, like, hey, respectfully, obviously, like, hey, like, oh, um, why did you act that way? For example, I, he accidentally hurt me, and he was like, oh, you'll be fine, and I was like, oh, I actually got hurt, and then my dad was like, oh. Okay, sorry. Like, would actually, I would. He'll never do that before. I don't. Ex- before you can never explain an apology mm-hmm. to him. But he's starting to see that at home that I really respect him so much. But we're starting to also need some kind of respect too. And we've been growing together, and we're learning from each other, and it's been like awesome because we literally sometimes we drink together now, which is a really interesting thing. And some things that my dad does. Um, I come home from work really late. It's like seven, eight, or nine, and then he he'd be a little bit tipsy or whatever. But he ha- he'd have like, um, he'd have salmon ready, and he'll cut it for sashimi and have it plated and ready for me, or have food ready for me. So like those little things, and I'm like, despite all the struggles we've had, he's constantly showing that he loves me. Obviously, in an Asian household, it's um, a bit harder for the dad to be like, oh, I love you, mm-hmm. but he's he's showing constantly in a different ways. So. Um, that relationship with my dad has really like evolved and I'm very lucky for that that's good yeah. no like I think uh, what I've realized too recently is that our parents definitely grow with us yeah and they're learning like they're, they're not learning yeah. I, I remember it, it's crazy because when you're younger you think that they're they're the smartest and crazy they're the best like the number one people in the world and no one else and then you start to have this there's this phase where you're like they're invincible to being um, they don't know shit yeah to, they don't know <laughs> shit to understanding the strength that they have to go through to where they are today mm-hmm. and respecting that and realizing that hey there's no equation to being parents no. like there isn't like that's what I've just realized like wow like they no one tells them like okay step one you have the baby step two you have your fun step three put them in a carriage step four put them no. to school like no there is no like edu- pick the perfect school yeah, yeah exactly there's no like perfect equation for them and they're going through that and them immigrating from a whole different life to a new one and having this whole new society in front of them mm-hmm. like they're they're learning so much and honestly I look back and I'm like if I'm like if I'm like that age and I have to move from my family I have to relearn so many things I would be so tired I would be like F off mm-hmm. like just listen to me and just move on with your life I'm giving you food like it's yeah. crazy the amount of work that they're continuously doing you yeah know, so and it's a lot of patience and it's spe- a lot of patience and especially when you I guess you come from a house where in my my instance you, you grew up in the church and you move away from the church yeah it can, it can be a lot harder too and like you you have to understand I'm starting to understand how much patience and loving my parents have to give me, yeah. even though a lot of the things I do, they're not really fans of. Yeah, you know, they're not. They're not like a thing with the moving away from the church. Like, it's not that I hate the church. I don't. I'm not like obviously I have my struggle, but I want to understand religion in my own perspective because I personally think for like years, for 20, 22, 21 years, I've been constantly in this religious cycle where I haven't really had my full say. I've just been told, oh, you need to do confirmation. You need to do this. You need to do that. Um, and it's just recent where I'm like. I don't want to go because I'm not comfortable because I don't know what exactly I need right now or I want. Mm -hmm. And being there doesn't give me um, happiness or doesn't... I I feel like, one, I'm in a space where I'm not fully welcome because of the struggles I've been to in a place where I'm not the happiest. Um, and, And it's a lot, I think, a lot for my parents for me to start saying, like, not going to church. Like, I'm, I'm, I feel like on Sundays, they're like, oh, are you coming to church? I would say no. 
like I think so, it took me a lot of strength to get to that to say no to going to church yeah. after 21 yeah, years does. of straight of going to church I stopped going in like first year oh my so. gosh I like like literally they're like oh really what is it now are you Satanist like they like, they, they would think a, a lot of things but um, it's a lot of strength to get to that point and it's a process I think we're yeah. all going through yeah I remember tell, like I know where I was when I told my parents that I was don't go to the church anymore yeah. not interested like yeah I don't know what I believe, but I know I would. It's interesting because you know, like, I, I don't know if I hate the church, but I hate the church too. Like, I hate the church. As oh, an just institution. like as, as, as a cult, yeah. As, an, just, as an institution, I, I think I don't theoretically like it. the the church in terms of like, uh, uh, theor- sorry, theologically, I think what the church offers, I still somewhat align to the mm-hmm. idea of like a higher power, like certain things about the church. Um, I do still believe in and stuff. But, like, the idea is, oh, you have to go to church every Sunday to be a Catholic. Oh, you have to do this. You have to do that. Or, like, you know, like... A lot of legalism. Legalism as well. Like, oh, my gosh, you didn't go to church. Like, I I remember it. I've seen it. Because, like, if my family members didn't go to church or, like... Like an aunt, like, oh, did you go to church? No. Oh, you should think about it. So you get, like, you start shaming. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. like, that shouldn't be what the church is. If you're fully, op- I think, if you're fully open to the religion, you should be open and going and continuously active upon it. But you don't, like, shame others for not, like, those kinds of things, yeah. you know? Like, my experience with it was that it's very judgmental. Yeah. And um, I guess in relation to some of the youth pastors I had mm-hmm. is that they kind of failed colossally as men mm-hmm. in a lot of cases and I'm like these are like people I'm supposed to look up to in my life of living a good marriage or, mm-hmm. or living out like the word of God I'm like no thanks I can find better people exactly. in a lot of other places um, so I think I I would say I have a bit of like angst against the church yeah. too in that regard um, and for that reason I'm, I'm just not interested I'm like I would rather have people that are yeah. in my life that I can talk to openly about these things then have to go in my room and like pray at night I guess yes or yeah. like confess to a yes uh, a priest or a father or something yeah. behind a wall and and be hun- like surprisingly absolved of yeah. everything you've done I, like I, so. to me it's just getting things off your chest like that's it like yeah. that's kind of what the essence I, I also think it allows people to buy in to one certain identity and so like that kind of goes back to your pizza thought of well everyone would say religion but now everyone sees that religion is a very divisive thing mm-hmm. and so it used, it's really interesting because i read a book about how you know even though religion may be considered bad overall it was actually great because at least people aligned to one concept and they could identify with each other because of that one thing mm-hmm. and now that's kind of dispersed and that might be one of the reasons why we have a lot of anger in society and why we might not be as culturally um, accepting or or together yeah like one of the crazy sermons so in the church do you have this like 20 minute sermon of like the gospel into how do you apply the gospel from hundreds of years ago to a, a today thing and then she was like don't be afraid to say merry christmas people are saying happy holidays in excess now so when so next time when you go to a store and they say happy holidays you look at them and you tell them merry christmas and you walk away i'm like 
Like, like if you're trying to make them feel bad for saying happy holidays, and you're like, that's not the way to do it. But if you want to say happy Merry Christmas in a very like positive way instead, and that's fine. Yeah. But like going there and trying to like push down, like, hey, you should change, you should say Merry Christmas. Like those kinds of things really bother yeah. me. You know, like I'm definitely someone who says if you believe in Christmas, you yeah. say Merry Christmas, yeah. and you receive happy holidays. If other people don't want to say Merry yeah. Christmas to you, yeah. don't be like, don't be offended. If people are offended when you say Merry Christmas, but also don't be offended when people tell you Happy Holidays, because mm-hmm. it works both ways. Mm-hmm. If someone says says to you when they're Jewish or like Happy Hanukkah, just be like Merry Christmas back. Like yeah, like at the end of the day, cares? I think the intention to just say it was the intention was not really there to harm you. The intention no. was really to greet something that you're probably like happy about, or like you know, or celebrating a celebration. Really, mm-hmm. it's not to di- dismiss other no. people. But. Um, I guess one of the there's two more things I want to talk to you about but I guess that they're going to be pretty brief um, one is our friendship so I know it hasn't always been the best um, we lived together in first year we lived together in third year um, I know I was kind of an asshole in, in third year for a bit we went through some ups we went through downs um, like one pretty I guess serious down but then it's only gone up since then because yeah. we communicated like yeah. mature adults give me a fist bump yes um, but, uh, I guess I want to apologize to you about that, um, and how I, you know, I, I, I told you on the phone that I don't think I was a good friend and you're like, I, I just wasn't sensitive, yeah. a sensitive friend. And I would, I would agree with both. I would say, I'd say that I was a bad friend, but also an insensitive friend. So, um, so I like, I want to go into that. Cause like, I, I personally, like literally I have not held any grudges like obviously i'm thankful for um apologizing for me i'm like i'm a person my dad taught me was like if you apologize you mean it you talk about it you communicate you actually try to move on get better then you shouldn't be holding on to anything and i think that was me like we've gone through stuff Mm -hmm. and i've heard you apologize and i've heard i've seen you gotten exponentially better as an individual and as a roommate um, a relationship really um but yeah, like, I just want to let you know that I, I didn't really need that apology. I feel like every I, I'm super happy of where you're going and how you're doing things. Enjoy the relationship. Yeah, I think our relationship in the midway was a bit rocky. I think <clears throat> I think um, being floor mates was great. Mm-hmm. We had our space from each other. But I think living... Um, and it's a, my, for me, I think my first taste of what a real relationship is, in a sense... Um, because I'm starting to realize that, oh, we have different ways to how we live life or how we, in our, in our, in our vulnerable areas of times, mm-hmm. we want to be, we're different and, and there's a, there has to be a way that to respect that. Or if we're, um, inhinging upon another person's like space, space, we have to be respectful for that. And that's something that, um, I think, um, if we're going to talk about, uh, the, the issue or like what happened is that I know I had some uh, had a, some of my like utensil I remember like some like a utensils thing is that the one you were talking about I don't know what um, was it oh there is a few but the one thing was like oh you're using my utensils and then you left it in the sink for like three days and I'm like I didn't wait to like the third day to be like hey like did yeah. you use my stuff you're like oh maybe I did like you know um I think with you is you wouldn't pick up your, you don't pick up your feet when you walk in the house. <laughs> and I remember just yelling at you one time, pick up your fucking feet. Because it was just like, 
And, and I think I think what we both realized from that is communication. I think yeah. when we started to communicate a bit more and we'd stop living together, I think our relationship got better. When yeah. I realized that I, I think I have this love for Luke, but it's not like I can't live with Luke. I think we can go, yeah. yeah. We're okay with that though. Um, but like, it, I think once we communicated, hey, like, can we do this? Can we do that? Or like, oh, you're bugging me for that. It got him better because people we don't sometimes realize some of the things that we do Mm -hmm. and it might annoy people and we don't intrinsically want to like i don't think you actually plan to do use my utensils and leave them there so i can get annoyed that's the thing and i don't i don't walk my my heavy ass feet so i can annoy you like it's that's the thing i know in our hearts we didn't mean to do it to no yeah but there was that miscommunication that barrier and when we started to get those communication together uh, we start to get to the point that we understand that oh this is something that I just do and I'm not realizing we apologize for it and we try to get better yeah. obviously it's not perfect obviously there are times where we go back but to realize that hey like oh this is something and we we communicated that and once we finally had that space from living together we started we stopped focusing on the little things that annoyed us because living together really started Mm -hmm. to like infringe upon our friendship but when we took that away from the equation and i think those are kind of healthy we focused on what we're doing outside Mm -hmm. we're doing like I, I like I we don't both support each other yeah, a lot. Yeah. Like I don't think about Luke, I'm gonna come home to Luke uh not doing this. No, I come I uh, now I don't go to him home to him. But like I, I, I <laughs> well, you know. Um I go home and I'm like, Oh, what is Luke doing today? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, or he'll message me and we'll have a conversation about what our struggles and what we're going through away from the little things. And mm-hmm. I think that's allowed us to really uh, mature and grow more and yeah, yeah got a better I, relationship overall. Because it hit a high point, I remember, and there was like th- three days of probably like it's just silence between us. Like we weren't talking, which was really awkward because we shared a bathroom. Yeah, and our door, our bedrooms were like right next to each other. Yeah, I came home yeah. one day and I'm like, dude, we need to talk because there was just so much tension in the air. There's so much tension. There's so much that. tension in the air, and I was just like, Jofo, let's talk. I, remember, yeah. I think we both cried to each other. Oh my God, um, it, was, it was like a probably like an hour long conversation yeah. about some some of the deeper issues beyond yeah. just like you not picking up your feet yeah. and me not yeah. doing my utensils. It's like in a relationship, it's like, are you mad that they didn't do their utensil, or is there something like deeper yeah. that you're annoyed at? And so like it was kind of like a relationship in that sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we moved beyond that really quick. Once we had that conversation, it was like the next day it seemed fine again. Yeah. There's a bit more repairing, but oh, yeah. I think you and I have just been really fascinated by the lives we live in our mission yeah. and our, like, our drive to be better and yes. our drive to do things that are interesting. Because at the end of the day, I think what we aligned with is that understanding we're not the best people right now. We're imperfect. We're imper- wow. Imperfect. You gotta listen. Um, but... It's the idea that we're growing and we're growing together with that friction. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've built upon from each other. Like, I think the biggest skill that I learned from Luke is empathy. Like, you, I, I think you're very empathetic to people, um, crazy enough. Um, <laughs> I know, you, you, if you look at Luke, you don't think that. Um, but, like, having these conversations with so many people and going through so many perspectives and working with a lot of different people has allowed him to see the lives of different individuals. Um, and I know that what Luke got for me was a bit of like um, 
I was I don't know patience. I don't know what you really got out of me. Um, but I would say like it's a constant learning relationship. Like oh, Luke is doing this. Like that's amazing, and, and it gives me happiness because I've seen you grow so much, mm-hmm. and it makes me so happy. Like. I remember the nights that we worked on our digital electronics project. Oh my gosh, that's like five. I even didn't even finish that degree. Uh, the, I switched the, out first year. I remember um, to like where we are now. Like I literally was not seeing this. We did not see this coming. Mm-hmm. I don't think this right here today was not ever like a no. thing. Like computer science was like kind of like our our first thing like oh my gosh we're both into computers yeah. and then I saw you struggling to this is not really my thing mm-hmm. and I'm realizing oh this is maybe not even my thing too yeah. and we stuck with communications we were thriving communications like all these things thriving you were you were fantastic right. we were the only like if I like when you were in class you were only the one speaking and like trying to challenge ideas and I was like the only one speaking and challenging ideas like we did sadly we didn't have enough classes together at the end I can only remember one class like I think we would have been so good together in the class yeah, we'd be we like we'd be like you know what Luke that's a really good idea or like you know what Luke fuck you like, yeah. and we'd be sitting beside each other yeah, like, like, no this is good you know and then we'd go home together <laughs> and we're like oh shit here we go again um, no, like, I appreciate that. I think I like some, it's interesting because I don't really think I have that much empathy anymore. Um, just because of you, you would know the deeper story behind that with someone in my life. Um, but I think that really, like, I think that relationship I had earlier in my life with that person, I'm not going to name names or anything yeah. like that, kind of really affected until like, now. Would you say my sympathy and empathy? I would say, yeah, I, I would say, like, it drastically um, hurt. My, because you put so much effort and time to that relationship. Yeah, and it was a lot of vulnerability. That friendship, yeah. Oh and, gosh. like, it was almost too vulnerable. And I've learned a lot about, like, so me, toxic. things about me, too. So many times. Yeah. So, okay, not going to get not gonna get into that, <laughs> but I would say what you've taught me is everyone's human. And I think, you know, when I first got this job that I currently have where I'm talking to C-suite executives, like, every single day or VPs at Fortune 500 companies, you know, I used to go networking with Joe Fo quite a bit, and he would always tell me, he's like, Luke, no matter what their title is, at the, at the end of the day, the first thing they are is human. And I was, like, I was like, holy shit, that's so deep, but so true. And so when I talk to these people, I'm like, they're just humans, man. Like, I'm not intimidated by them. They're not scary to me. They just have a title, and that's it. Like, they've worked their way up to that title, and if they're a dick, they're a dick. But if they're most of them, actually all of them, haven't been, to me anyways. Um, so I think that's something that you really taught me and then driven, like you have a drive and I think that I was always jealous of that drive and it's like, I always wanted to find out what I was passionate about, how I could get a job, how I, and you taught me, you know, some of the best practices that I now use all the time to find jobs or to network or to like, you know, reach out to people and just have that confidence. Um, so I'd say you've taught me a lot more. I think career-wise, but just like understanding kind of the games that you have to play. And I I liked them because they weren't fake games to me. Like to me, they just seemed like the more the natural thing yeah. to do. And you kind of taught me because it was natural to you. And we have a very similar, yeah. we have, even though we don't think we have a very similar personality, I'd say we pretty we are probably more similar than I different. Um, and so I was like, I liked that that worked for me that that, your advice Um, but I guess since I know you have to go soon um, let's go with this one of the last things is like you know going back to how you're driven in right now you're in one of the first stages of your life now where it seems like it hasn't shaped to the way you want it to Mm -hmm. 
you know, you were in, I remember you always having a job yeah. throughout university at like really six startups in yeah. Waterloo, yeah. um, always doing three, four, five, six things, running yourself yeah. super thin. And I was like, Jovo, pick one, excel at it. <laughs> pick one, excel at it. Pick one, excel at it. And then I think that kind of hit you more in fourth yeah. and fifth year. And, uh, you know, you, you were doing really well at CIBC before yeah. going on, on to Asia. Yeah. You went to Asia for four months. You came back and you kind of thought your life would be mapped out. Yeah. And it kind of hasn't worked out that way. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm interested in hearing. Yeah, I now. think that journey has been a huge struggle for me. And it, I'm still going through it. Um, but my outlook on it has been constantly positive. Um, I realized that I, I'm not the only one who's gone through this. The thing <laughs> is that a lot of individuals have decided to take a break from school uh, once or very close when they finish. Um, and just find a job after. Or some people have been struggling to find uh, a closed-up job. The thing was leaving um, leaving Asia. I I thought that I had something prepared for me once I come back. And there's so many things. And the thing is, life doesn't give you exactly what you want every single time. So there's so many things that gone. Uh, quote unquote wrong from the employer's uh, perspective like th- them that they didn't do enough to prepare me to get come back and when I came back even though I tried to keep the communication going and apparently had the thumbs up for it it wasn't there for me mm-hmm. and that really like as a person who kind of was very driven to have this like idea of oh once I finish school work a bit then go f- fly out and do the trip and then go come back and work again um i wasn't uh i came back to nothing and that really hit me um and what i'm but i was very lucky that i have a family that's going through somewhat the similar things my dad is actually going through interviews my brother lost his job and just got like a really good like a really good job um about a month ago my mom got a promotion and i'm i'm interviewing at some really awesome companies i'm excited for um and they give me strength to continue this and the thing i realized is that i will get a job i will get to a place where i want to it's not at this very moment but as long as I do it daily, day in and day out, put my time, put my effort, something my dad says, hard work beats talent, I just got to put in the hours and just push and work smart as well. Because um, every single day, there's going to be a small win, there's going to be a big win. But as long as I keep going, it's going to come for me. Mm-hmm. It's going to come to me as long as I'm working for it. Um, and I'm, I'm, and the results are very good. I I am close to hearing some really good uh, things back, and I'm excited for where it's going to take me in 2020. Nice. Yeah. So it's been very, I would say, surprisingly optimistic and positive because yeah. I think I think I would be de- I I thought I would be depressed. Well, I think three years ago, you I wouldn't even imagine I wouldn't want to be your friend going through this. No, I'm <laughs> but like I would, no, yeah, I would I, just I, be that's so nothing, down. I would I like I'm not gonna lie. I had this like. I had I I had this perspective like I was on the up and up, mm-hmm. and I would just go up and up. Um, but I think I'm very thankful for this experience, and I say that now, and I'm not gonna take it ever back because it humbled me. Mm-hmm. It humbled me to what my parents has gone through. They've left their careers to come back and 
do something. Right now I'm doing freelance, which is great. I've got some clients, but my parents came back and they were just working in like retail jobs. My dad had to go to school, all these things. And they got it harder for me. I've just started my career for the past five years. They've had their career for like 10, 20 years Mm -hmm. and they have to go back from day one, which is like something that humbled me so much, which made me love my parents even more and realizing the struggle that they gone through, that they don't ever tell me, did you know we left everything for you? Like, they don't really do that to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm, that's why I think that's why I'm optimistic and positive because I know someone in close to my life has gone worse and I know I'm going to be in a great position in the next few months, um, just as long as I keep going and doesn't stop and I will, and I'm not stopping. Nice. I think that's a good way to get to the last three questions. Yeah. Uh, going from your parents and showing you how to be optimistic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the last three questions. Uh, what is one thing that your father told you that you value today and, and are very thankful for? What's one thing that you wish he, he kind of taught you when you were younger? Uh, and what's one thing that you're going to tell your future kids? So you're going to have to re- re- say yeah. the second question again. But the first thing that my father told me that uh, I kept kind of or yeah so it's not really what he told me well it kind of told me and what he kind of made me do so um there's this thing every single morning really crazy it's like a habit but i fold my bed i fold like my my uh comforter my blanket every single day before i leave not when i wake up as soon as i but when i before i leave i cannot i cannot leave the house i remember i saw the bus but i remember that i didn't do the bed so i run back in i will miss the bus i'll do my bed and that it just goes to show I know that I'm going to come back and sleep in it we do that every single day mm-hmm. but it's the idea of like day in day out you have to fold your bed you're going to mess it up and and that's with life every single day you just have to do what you need to do but but in the morning it's a new day you fold your bed you get ready for the mess and it will be messy but that's okay Take the next day, you fold it again, it's a new day, and you, and then you have to fold it again, clean it up, and it might be a different mess, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. And we've applied that in our family so many times, where we don't go to bed with a problem. Very rarely do we. We kind of end the night with, okay, we might disagree, but we agree to disagree agreeably, and that's fine. At the end of the day, tomorrow we're still family, we unconditionally love each other, and mm-hmm. that's I apply that with so many things. I didn't get the job, that's fine, continue the search. I didn't get the call. That's fine. Continue. Like those kinds of things. So I've applied that so many times often and allowed me to be okay. That's why I'm okay with failing or being said rejected on. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure you, you know the, the, the struggle of being rejected on so many times. It doesn't hurt you anymore because you can just move. I've never I mean, been rejected. No, no. <laughs> okay. That's true. You're perfect. Um, but like it allows you to just keep moving and that's something that my dad did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Question. I think there's there's a I think I saw a commencement speech or something about that. Like fold your bed every morning because it means you start off your it means you start every morning with a win. It's like something something along yeah. those lines because it's every day you start something, nothing gets in your way. You know you 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 succeeded at one thing yeah. before anything else could possibly happen. Okay. The second question is what's one thing you wish he taught you? Um, I think one thing mm. or told you or showed you. Um, I think, obviously, to be honest, I don't think there's anything really. I think how everything played out. Obviously, I would wish that he would accept me more in terms of my sexuality. Like that, That's obviously something I'm constantly hoping for. But the idea of going through that struggle, I would not ask for him to change that. 
I think I needed that. I needed mm-hmm. all the struggle. I need the adversity. I think I needed um, feeling that pain, that loss, that um, frustration within the relationship, the downs, the ups. Because without those, it wouldn't allow me to be, I would say, quote unquote, this strong as I mm-hmm. am today with my family, with them, and with uh, outwardly um, in roles that I've been. Um, so there's really nothing I don't think... I hope that he would have taught me or showed me mm-hmm. like skills or anything. I think he's continuously doing what he has been doing and doing great at it. Yeah. Nice. And then the last question, what's one thing that you want to tell your future kids or show your future kids? Um, one thing I want to tell my future kids is to take the time to um, love yourself and be okay with different people. Um it will be a constant struggle to love yourself. I don't think I've gotten to the point where I fully love myself. I don't think a lot of people will get there any, like in, in, their, in this stage of their life. Um, but be okay with not being okay uh, wherever you are in your life. And appreciate the little things. So that's one. Um, number two, be okay with different people different perspectives i know that we get to the point like oh be open-minded but i've seen so many uh, i don't want to get political but a lot of left-leaning individuals who are so close-minded and they're so like oh just because you're different like there's this question oh would you even go on a date with someone with a different political view and i would say yes that allowed me to have Mm -hmm. a conversation with someone i don't understand yeah or like maybe have a conversation that unlocks something new with them or i myself you know, I don't think if we go to they, they want to fully change me and my political views, nor do I want to politically change them. Yeah. Maybe it's just a really cool conversation that we can agree to disagree really thinks that. Um, so be okay with different people and their perspectives because that makes you a better person to be okay with their perspective, to kind of like work around that and still see them as human. Because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, we're still human. How do we work around that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great, man. Uh, that's I guess all we have for this episode awesome thanks for tuning in and uh, thanks Joe for coming out love you love you too thanks for having me